Welcome back to Autism, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we always encourage you that growth for your precious child is possible. I'm Kat Lee, and in this podcast, Dr. Sheely discusses high functioning versus low functioning, why these labels can be so damaging to our children. Let's listen in. So when it comes to using terms like this high functioning child and this low functioning child, the terms disturb me. I wondered if you felt the same way. You know, I do because I feel like there are some implications when we use terms like that. And one of the implications is um, that we can project where someone's going to end up. This this person's going to have no problem. They're going to fly through life. They're going to be independent at 21. And this person is going to be at home with you and not be able to do whatever. So I think that's one of the reasons why that has always, um, that that's always bothered me. And part of it is, to be honest with you, when I first started thinking about people on the spectrum, I thought that way. I thought that I could project, this person's going to be just fine. Boy, I better tell you the truth here. And I was never any good at projecting. My projections were never accurate. And so I realized early on that those terms were not useful terms. And the other thing, Catherine, is I think that when we use terms like that, we categorically pigeonhole someone so we don't have to be so thoughtful in the work we're doing. And I think that can be true whether the words are high functioning or low functioning. You know, it you just kind of get your your I love the word pigeonhole. It's a perfect uh, visual for that. I think it might surprise people to think that labeling a child high functioning could actually cause them to not get what they needed. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I remember I was thinking of children who were labeled low functioning, which the same thing can happen. But actually, if people don't think you as a child need special attention or something designed especially for you, um, that can actually misserve that child. It can. And I'm remembering, you know, one of the first young women that I ever worked with, and she was about 12 at the time. And she said to me, do you know the problem I have? Nobody wants to help me because they look at me and they say, she's okay. She just needs to do it. And she said, if I could do it, I would do it, but I don't know how to do it. And so if I were in a wheelchair, this is her example. If I were in a wheelchair, people would be helping me. If I were blind and had a cane, people would be helping me, but I look okay and I can talk and they don't see that I have the same problems those kids who can't talk have and nobody helps me. And I think that's true. I also think that early on in the, um, in the uh, autism community, people were trying to figure this out. And I'm remembering when the ADOS was being developed and uh, they were trying to sort out high functioning um, PDD NOS. <laughs> um, what were some of the other terms that were being used? But they had all oh, Asperger's. 
So they had these ways of putting this group of people over here and they were trying to quantify it with algorithms that made sense <laughs> and finally just gave up. You know, my son is almost 30 and he received a, a diagnosis and a very um, negative outlook when he was two, when he was the ripe old age of two. Uh, and um, so we weren't really at that time caught up in all this trying to figure out where he fit in. We just wanted to help him have the best life he could have and be the most he could be like you are with any of your children. And, um, but people have told me since that it was a good thing because of his oral motor problems and his uh, language issues, his specific disorder, which is you have taught me is a co-occurring condition, not a part of autism. He would have been labeled low functioning and therefore he would not have been given the hope and therefore we would not have been given the hope for him for where he is today because uh because when those words are stated I've seen it unfortunately so many times the parents come and go well we've been told he's low functioning but we want to still help him be and and I'm trying to say let's try to remove those words but that's hard to do Dr. Sheely it, it's hard once parents are told, well, this is really only you can expect, you know? Yeah, I, um, um, I, I, I kind of have to take responsibility for something we did that every now and then pops up. And we were so, we were so, for lack of a better term, just upset by what was being said to parents when their children were diagnosed that we would make up other terms and and so we would say well you know we think that it's more like an interactional disorder i mean we had a we had a ton of them and that was not fair either because when you're looking at autism you're looking at a neurological difference that interferes with the guiding relationship and in a nutshell i think if we had just been able to say that and with the direction we were taking, I think everyone would have just felt better because if you can reestablish that guiding relationship, then it doesn't matter what, uh, you know, what the residual uh, presentations are. And also, if you can think about that, then you know what's co-occurring. You also know if there's comorbidity and that has to be dealt with. It's neat. It, it's, it's a neater way to think about it and it's not condescending and it's also not over the top don't worry everything's going to be fine you know it's like this is where it is and that's why we need to move forward and i did want to underline that i know it's well-meaning intentions mm -hmm. uh that and i love that you gave kind of a history of how this came about. So I, I know well-meaning professionals were trying to figure things out, but I think what you're saying is so true. And I can think of parents who come to me and do continue to come to me to say, well, they're telling me my child's high functioning to the point I don't need anything, but we do at home. I can see, uh, and, and I will have people say, and even feel like nobody believes them uh, to that point. Well, they're fine now. They're, they're high. So I, 
I think either way, it points back to the work that we do, which is we're not, and, and I, again, don't mean this in an unkind way, but we're not interested in labels like that. We're not interested in the labels. We're interested in the unique individual. And um, people who are dealing with autism are the same as you and me. We have a unique presentation. And that unique presentation has, um, has part, part of that unique presentation is that we all want the same things, but we're all different. And understanding that gives us the ability to look carefully at where we get started and how we move along once we've gotten started. I love our program because it, it considers the unique child or adult, if, if an adult comes to us, or and the family, which is so important. And I, I, I continue to urge professionals, along with myself, along with everybody who works with families, to not put words in their head that they have a hard time erasing. I think it just impacts you so much as a parent. And you know, I've told you our story before more than once that we were told our son would never be able to do anything and that we needed to look after our daughter. Those is almost a quote sitting across from the desk. Again, I think someone who felt like he was protecting our daughter, our son was lost to us, but not our daughter. So focus on that. And those things as a parent, you have to unhear. So to, to have somebody say, look, your child's low functioning, we've done these tests, you need to accept. To overcome that, to unhear those things is very hard. I, I can't imagine, honestly, I can't imagine what's that what that's like. Because the first time you hear something and you believe it, then you have to accept that there's something else that's true and that's not true. And it's really harder to believe that that's not true and this is true than to believe what you've heard the first time is true. It's very hard to change that pattern of thinking. And um, I, I, I hate it when I hear that that's happened. In the beginning, um, and I like to talk to families and uh, young people about their own diagnosis, is an inefficiency model of the brain. Your brain is really efficient for some things. And I could talk to them about something they were really good at. And so then being able to talk about vulnerabilities and where, where are our points of being vulnerable that we need to be thinking about. Those things, everybody has that. Everybody on the spectrum has that. And everybody who's not on the spectrum has that. And when we can think about it that way, we're not looking at a person who has autism as another, a different. We're saying, well, we're all in this human race together. And how do we move forward together? How do you help me? And how do I help you? I love, I love what you would say to that, that individual student and I, and I think about also saying that to parents when they're observing that there's whatever it may be that their child is exceptionally good at that I for sure would not be good, that it's good to spotlight that because 
all of us have different brains and that's an area of strength, but we have these other areas that we need to reinforce and help and help develop. And I think it puts such a, the, so many times, again, we're kind of, our eyes are to focus on some, some negativity, some, okay, this isn't happening, this isn't happening, but other things are happening. And those are things that we can be grateful for, but I don't think we hear that that often. I don't think we do either. And if I could interject something else here, I was talking about being good at something, but you know, sometimes people aren't good. Sometimes they don't have that thing that they're good at. And I think we have to understand that those people can get good at things, but I'm also understanding that there's a uniqueness in everybody and someone who doesn't have an edge like that in something that they do is going to be just as capable of moving forward. You know, I, I think sometimes, Catherine, that we do the best we can and we have a tendency to look at someone who's not responding in the way we expected as being um, and incapable, incapable of doing it. But I guess the way I think about it is I really didn't think through how to work with you in the right way. So we need to take that responsibility on ourselves when it doesn't go well and say, I, I, I need to rethink this again because I know you're capable. Usually we'd be saying this to parents. We know your child's capable. We just have to figure out how we can get that guiding relationship going with you and what that's going to look like when you do it. Well, that's so beautiful. And uh, I think it's also really helpful for parents, however their children have been labeled. I think one of the messages is from us is to, to try not to listen to those, those well-meaning people when it comes to labeling your child, uh, but go with your gut. That's one thing that I, I really wanted to end on. It's why we know parents are the best guides. And as a parent, it's not hard. And I've told you this before for me to be all the way back 28 years ago to when my little boy is two. And, um, and know like that wasn't right in our gut about him, who we knew, both of us. We, we both had spent a lot of time with him in the two years since he'd come, come to be with us. And uh, we just knew that wasn't true, but that can be so hard when people more educated than you in a certain area or just more been in something for 20 years or whatever the case maybe tells you that. But I just want to tell people as parents, you know your child best, right? And thank you for joining us for Autism, A New Perspective the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we always encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee. See you next time.